greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Welcome back to Winds of Change. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Keith McKenzie. Welcome back to uh, this session. We're still in uh, Genesis chapter 3. Today we're going to be uh, getting in and still progressing here. We're, we're uh, taking our time going through here and, and seeing the uh, effects and how most of the Bible is dedicated to dealing with this catastrophic event that brought the origin of death, shame, fractured relationships, all of the problems and the woes, the origins of evil, all right here. And how our proper understanding of this allows us to enter into a more perfect relationship with God. Without a proper understanding, we cannot worship God in spirit and truth. For the more that we get to understand God, the more we begin to understand ourselves. And then the incredible gift that God has given us in eternal life through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we, we come to that knowledge and you begin to understand that, then you can really enter in and worship God in spirit and truth. And that's our hope and our plans for you. So we want to just open up this uh, session in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for today. Thank you for blessing us with uh, the opportunity, Lord, to be uh, able to come into your uh, very presence with our prayers, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you would bless this time, bless this session, help us to understand you more deeply, that we might worship you in spirit and truth. We give you thanks and praise, and we dedicate this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Still in Genesis chapter 3, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. And we're going to uh, look um, about sin. And we talked about last week how um, it affected and fractured those relationships between God, Adam, and Eve. All of those relationships were affected. Okay. The the relationship also that we saw with what happened with um, David, Bathsheba, and Uriah, how David's relationship also there, same exact thing, fractured uh, with uh, you know Bathsheba uh, has Uriah murdered, arranges uh, to have him killed. Uh, to uh, cover his sins, the, the fig leaf of murder. Um, what I want to do is we're going to kind of bounce over and, and see how that's relationships. I want to draw back and get a bigger picture where we're, now we're going to see um, how it affects a nation and how sin cripples our ability, especially as people of God, okay, Christians, and what we have is uh, we're going to go over to Joshua uh, chapter 7, and there's, um, we kind of call this uh, sin in the camp. Um, Israel, quick 
quick historical update here so you kind of understand what's going on here. Israel has really just become a nation, okay? They've just come out of Egypt, right? Wandered in the, uh, the wilderness for 40 years after the plagues with Moses. They come out. Moses dies. Uh, he's not allowed to enter into the promised land. Moses is a type and a picture of the law, so he could only bring us so far. Joshua, which is actually the same name uh, as Jesus, is, you know, his Jewish name is uh, Yeshua. So Joshua is a picture of Yeshua who's leading uh, his people into the promised land. And what happens here is they go in and they're the first battle they're going to take on is Jericho. Jericho is this giant city, this stronghold, and it's got these walls. God gives them the victory over this, but God says don't take anything here. You know, everything, you need to not take any spoil. All right? So what happens is this man, Achan, he takes... Uh, some gold he takes a Babylonian garment and he hides this stuff in his tent and so nobody knows right except for God God knows the next battle comes up it's a small battle compared to Jericho alright Israel doesn't consult God right They don't consult God in this. So what they do is they decide, hey, it's a little city. You know, we don't have to send too many soldiers up there. You know, just, you know, don't burden everybody. Let's just go up with a small contingent and we'll take this city. And what happens is they get their butt kicked. And they come back and they, they, you know, people die in this. And and they, they actually run away. And Joshua can't believe this. So he falls on his face. He's, he's like, oh, God, why, you know, what is happening here? And he's crying out to God. The angel of the Lord shows up and says, Joshua, why are you lying thus on your face? There is sin in the camp. Get up off your face. We've got to deal with this. So the next day, Joshua brings the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel by. He brings them by one by one. And then we have this tribe that the the man Achan is in and uh, so they get selected down here but there's a very important uh, principle I want to introduce to you in relationship to sin here how we see it's affected and weakened this nation okay you remember when we were uh, reading out of Isaiah back a a couple of sessions ago when we started uh, you know Genesis chapter 3 introduced the serpent that he's the one that's responsible for weakening the nations. Now, here we have a, a nation taken out, right, as a godly representative of how God wanted to show the world, because Israel's uh, mandate was to be a lamp, a light to the world, all right? And then what happens here when sin happens here, we'll see something that I, that I want to open up for you. Uh, verse 19, Joshua chapter 7, verse 19 says, Now Joshua said to Achan, so he's, you know, they found him, they selected him, says, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done and do not hide it from me. 
And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I, he he kind of scored here pretty good. And it says, I coveted them and took them. You remember that process that we were talking about? The anatomy of sin. He saw this stuff. He looked at it. Sin, lust, that desire for these things. He knew he wasn't supposed to touch it. And then that conceived that sin. And he says, and he took it. Just like they took the fruit. David took Bathsheba. And what happens? We're going to see the consequences here. And it says, and he says, I coveted them and took them. And they are, they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sends messengers. They find it. They get it. Now, notice here, this is before the cross. This is the law. This is the way God deals with sin. They take Achan, they take his family, everything he's got, they stone him, his children, his cat, his dogs, everything. They burn him and pile up a heap of stones on him. Thorough (laughs) dealing with sin. And then, because that sin has been dealt with, even though Achan makes confession, okay, sin is dealt with ruthlessly. That's what the law does. The law is there to show us our transgression, and the law can only accuse us. The law can only condemn, all right? That's why, you know... We keep saying it. Repetition's a good teacher. What the law couldn't do in that it was weak through our flesh, because we're weak, grace. That's the cross. Okay? Because God dealt with it. And so Achan here, what I wanted to bring out here is Joshua when he says, My son, I beg you, give glory to the God of Israel and make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done, and do not hide it from me. Now, what Joshua is doing here is the confession, okay, which Achan makes. He gives glory to God, and the glory that he gives to him in that if he said, I didn't do it, if he pulled, a, if he pulled an Adam and said, well, it was, you know, that wife you gave me, and, you know, I, you know, I couldn't keep from doing it. If he made some kind of uh, alibi, if he blame shifted like we talked uh, last session, uh, he didn't. So he actually gives glory to God because if he had been stoned to death and punished, Uh, taken out, you know, and received the death penalty for sin, because remember, the soul that sins shall surely die. That's the law. He gives glory to God because he makes confession. So when God does judge the sin and he dies for it, God is perfectly just and right in doing that. And that's the problem mankind has today. That's why getting the gospel out is crucial. 
because there are people, okay, that are still in their sins that they will have to pay for. That is why it is so important to understand this. And when we understand that, that we don't have to get stoned and burned and, and you know, we don't have to uh, suffer eternal separation from God in hell because God sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh, fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law, and gives us eternal life. That's what the whole rest of the Bible, from Genesis chapter 3 all the way up to Revelation 20, all deal with this sin issue. We need to deal with it in our pulpits. We need to deal with it on one-on-one. Make confession one to another. Okay? And, and, and the whole deception that surrounds this is shame. Remember, everything is shame-based. So Christ deals with that, right? Because he was put an open spectacle in shame. And if you read Isaiah chapter 53, it talks about the, the things that, that happened to him at the cross. And, and he didn't just die for our sins. He, you know, he, he bought us you know, eternal life. He, he dealt with the emotional issues because he was you know, smitten, you know, everything that, that happened to him. So let's go ahead and take a, a quick um, peek over in Isaiah chapter 53. Where um, <laughs> you, you really get a, a really good uh, picture here what what uh, the Lord went through. It says, um, let's see, um, Isaiah chapter fifty three verse three says he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So he, he knows our mental condition. You know, he's, he's, he is the, 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 you know, he's, that's the kind of counseling you want right there because he knows. He knows. And it says, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him, right? Just like in the garden, we hide. That's the effects of sin, that fracturing of the relationships. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Okay, so he did all of that. And, and then notice here, we're going to get, surely, verse 4, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And if you've ever seen the passion of Christ, uh, even as, as brutal a scene and as drawn out as that seems, uh, it's still doesn't do justice and that doesn't even cover the uh the spiritual side the the wrath that was that was physical infliction he was holy without sin and became sin that's why he was sweating drops of blood knowing what he was going to go through in that separation that sin causes from him from the father but it's all been restored and it says, and by, uh, but he was wounded, verse 5, 
for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. So he purchased far more there. He purchased uh, our emotional healing and, and that comes through the peace that he can give us. He's called the Prince of Peace because when God can forgive you your sins, what the rest of life as you begin to get your biblical understanding comes together. You can deal with the other things because you know that your ultimate account, all right, that, that all that sin debt that we ran up that we couldn't pay off, he dealt with. Never to bring it up again. Ever. He takes our sin and casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. And and when that all comes home, we begin to worship God. Oh, just the, the joy of knowing of what we have. And um, here, let's let's read this quote here from Philippians. It kind of the Apostle Paul brings us home uh, a little bit more. I really want to drive this point home because um, we see the sin of relationships on man with God, man and his wife, uh, the king David, the nation was totally affected by sin, and we know who the author. Of, of sin is the, the the master of lies so let's look here Philippians uh, 2 verse 5 it says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God notice that thought it not robbery to be equal with God that's an absolute bulletproof uh, implication that Jesus is God and so many uh, liberal denominations deny the deity of Christ. It's absolute foolishness. Get out of the ministry. It says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself a form. So obviously he was something else and he takes on upon a form of a certain made in the likeness of men, which means he's not a man. You just look like a man. Being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Here the God creator of the universe steps into his creation as a man, humbles himself, right, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, which has been um, widely known as probably the most painful way to go out. You know, God could have done it any way he wanted, but the price that was paid, that needed to be paid, the justice for the sins, we keep going back to the cross, what transpired on the cross, we need to understand that because God is just and holy, sin had to be dealt with, somebody had to die, Christ died for you, for your sins, and when you accept that, you're freely received into the, into the uh, family of God, the kingdom of God, you are a full citizen a heir of Christ, and without that, you are left to bear that burden yourself. It's absolute foolishness. Don't go there. It's an indescribable gift. And it says right here that at the name of Jesus, every now should, 
every knee should bow on things in heaven. That means the angels and in the earth and the things under the earth. So that means he's going to be not only Lord over uh, all of creation, both the living, the dead, and the angels, everything. It says that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's because when you say Jesus is Lord, that that, you know, the apostle even says nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except for by the Holy Spirit. You're confessing that he is God and he did all those things for me. And um, so let's keep uh, go back here and and back to um, what's happening with uh, back in the garden we have um, the consciousness of sin we have uh, the separation going on right the blame game going on um, we see how this is just you know going uh, on and on um, now the curses are starting to be um, meted out by God. God starts with, doesn't question the serpent, just starts, poof, you know, laying it on him. So we'll just, uh, probably we'll only touch here on, on the serpent's uh, curses and some of the things that are introduced here. There's another bunch of things that are introduced here. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, remember that's warfare, between you and the woman. Interesting there. It's between him, the serpent, and the woman, not the man. That'll open up here in a minute. And between your seed and her seed. What kind of seeds are we talking about here? We'll start talking about that too. He, being her seed, shall bruise your head, being the serpent, and you shall bruise his heel. All right. So let's go ahead. So God declares war against the serpent, Satan, the devil, Lucifer. All right. He declares war here. He says, I'm going to put warfare between you. And then between her seed and your seed. Seed is, um, in the Bible, it, it speaks of your, your, your children. They would talk about your seed. It's a biblical reference to uh, having children. Like we put seed in the ground and we grow plants, trees, uh, men and women. He's saying her seed here, which is the first, okay, um, mention of the gospel, which the uh, theologians call the proto-evangelism, evangelism, and the uh, the mention of the that will come through her seed, which is biologically incorrect, but God is saying it's going to come through a virgin. Birth, and that's very important. And, and again, I'm going to say it: is the liberal um, churches out there that deny the virgin birth don't understand the implications that it needed to be of 
a virgin because man had already, his seed was already corrupted. Because of sin, he became corrupt. All right? So it had to come through her because the blood that makes atonement, okay, get this, that it was the shed blood of Jesus on the cross that makes atonement for our souls because the, the law that was passed through Leviticus, the animal sacrifice system, what we'll see in uh, Genesis chapter 4, it's the blood that makes atonement for our soul, right? The Old Testament uh, animal sacrifices covered sin. What Jesus was doing for us is his blood being the perfect sacrifice, finishing it once for all, which we'll probably look at that a little bit more uh, next week, is that he not he didn't just cover it. You know, like you get your toys in your room and mom says, you know, I need you to clean up your room. And they just, you know, shove everything under the bed, throw the cover over it. They're just covering it. No. Jesus, when he did it, he took it away. He bared it and he carried it off. And so the, the enmity, the warfare is going to be between your seed being the serpent, okay? His seed will ultimately be known as the personification of the person of the Antichrist. All right, and we will open up this a little bit more as we end up down in, uh, you know, chapter uh, 11 of Genesis. But her seed being a reference to a virgin-born Messiah. And so he would have a pure blood, that his blood would be untainted, and that was the perfect sacrifice. And so in conclusion uh, for today, we'll, we'll wrap this up that that we have this this warfare, this cosmic warfare that is now on the scene, okay? It affects, okay, because now, as we saw, man lost dominion, all right? Death now reigns. The devil has the power of death. Death has a legal right and a legal entitlement to take anybody that sins. So, the soul that sins shall surely die. So, anybody who dies, whether it's an infant or anything, death actually has a legal entitlement to that. And because God plays by the rules, and he has his law, he fulfills that law. That's why Christ had to come and die for us. But think about it. The infinite one dying for us right? Our sins separate, as we've been talking about, us from God. Eternally. The eternal one becomes man, right? As we just read there in Philippians. Takes upon himself the, the, the form of a man, a servant. And, and I like the way it says in Corinthians. It talks about the demons that fell with Satan, the principalities said had they known and they didn't because nobody did except for the trinity had they known they wouldn't have crucified the lord of glory because that was their undoing that was their undoing now you need to take this indescribable gift the infinite god taking on our sin our punishment 
like we read in Isaiah 53. Chastisement was upon him. It pleased God to do that because he loves you, because he wants you to be in that relationship with him. He paid it all. And to all we owe, and when you know that, you'll have peace. Invite him into your heart. Read Psalm 51 and be cleansed. My name's Keith McKenzie. This is Winds of Change. God bless you.